Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about the Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays in Placentia, California at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. Hey, welcome. We are so glad that you are here today. I'm so glad no one's sitting in the center. That is, who would want to do that? So great. It's fully, fully covered, the center, not so much. Oh, thank you. This is my wife, ladies and gentlemen. She is the, uh, the fox of Vox, as we say, as we say around here. Um, we're so glad you're with us. My name is Mike. Welcome. Uh, glad that you are here on a Sunday morning. Uh, a couple of things. If you are new with us, you need to know uh, all these people are wearing t-shirts that say safe to belong. And uh, that's something we absolutely and utterly mean. However you are today, whatever you think of all this, um, we are not terribly interested in being your judge and jury. We are very interested in um, relaying to you and embodying to you the fact that Jesus doesn't see sexual orientations. He doesn't see Republican or Democrat. He doesn't see Latino or white or Asian. He just sees hearts and he sees people and all are welcome at the table that we call the Eucharist. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to do a little teaching. Um, We're going to do some singing, which some of you just love. And some of you are like, really, do we have to do the singing part? Uh, And then, um, and and the big deal is you don't have to do anything. If you just want to sit there the whole time and do this, that's perfect. That's perfect. You just do that. All right, I may do that the whole time too. I just may sit next to you or fill the gap in the middle and just do this. You may sleep. I've put my wife to sleep for years uh, by, by teaching uh, the Bible to her. So it's fantastic. That just happens. Uh, you may be one of those kind of Jesus uh, fans and you're going to want to stand up and sing and lift your hands up and that's great. Uh, however you are is perfect and however you want to respond or not respond is just fine. All right. A couple of other things. Number one, if you want to find out more about us, we're at voxoc.com. And on our website, there is a place to um, give us your information. And we will sell that to marketers. And then, not really. And then, um, we're desperate for income. And and then, um, there's also a place to reserve uh, your spot at something called a new to Vox dinner, and it's out. Ju- it's at Justy and I's house. It's 40. We can handle 40 adults with their kids, and it's like, okay, what is this whole thing about? So you can do that. We were up to 25 at 40. We cap it, um, and uh, that's all I got. If you're a high school or college student, I want to meet you after the service. I want to meet all of you, but if you're particularly high school, college, I've got specific questions for you. And Shaylee, are you here? Shaylee, are you here? Where is she? Okay, I want to meet you after the service, all right? Perfect. You're, you're in the one row back there that I can't see at all. It's like there's the shadow of that row, and you're all there. The people I can see, big hole. People I can't see, it's like you know what you're doing. All right, so what we're going to do, oh, yes, fill in the middle. Yes, come in. Cut. Look at this tribe right here. Thank you. Now, you got to stay awake if you're that close, right? I mean, that's the bummer, is I can see you. That row, can't see. Can't see at all. Now, what we've been doing the last several weeks, and this is week number four, by the way. So this is week four. So, so if, 
if this blows up and, because, and becomes this massive worldwide movement, you can say, it was because I was there at the beginning. And if it totally flops, and I think the probabilities are equal. If it totally flops, you can say, I knew it. I knew it. I was there at the beginning, and it was hor- horrible, horrible. Now, what we've been doing is this, this, the idea of a table is something we've been marinating on. That we think that the most compelling picture of how Jesus would relate to the world was how he related to the world of his day. Namely, he would share meals with all kinds of people. And in the first century, sharing a meal with somebody was a huge deal. It was extending kinship acceptance. It was extending social approval. And Jesus was very indiscriminate with the people who he ate with. He would eat with the religious people. He'd eat with the irreligious people. And so we've been looking at the kind of people Jesus would eat with, and often they're the kind of people the church would never associate with. And so we've just been noting this disparity between uh, the, the people the church judges unfit are the very people that Jesus would intentionally go after. And we just want to keep drawing attention to the fact that not everything done in Jesus' name is actually of Jesus, correct? And... We want to hold out the idea that this Jesus is far more interesting than many of us have uh, been led to believe. And so what we want to do is we want to start looking at the insults given to Jesus. I mean, one of the ways you can learn about Jesus is looking at the names he was called. I don't mean the good ones. I mean the nasty ones. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Chad. Oh, hey. Hey, let me do my whole intro over. Because you missed, you missed, it's amazing. Yeah, hold on. Hey, welcome to Vox. No, I won't do that to you. Why'd you sit him up there, bro? We got big holes right, right here. Look, look at the front row. Look at the front. People, people are worried about getting sweaty. Or me getting them sweaty, however it works. Now, no, listen, this, Justin, there, it's not like SeaWorld, and that's hurtful. <laughs> my freaking wife saying that. It's like watching Shamu. How many of you are unmarried? Raise your hand. Let me tell you about how marriage goes, all right? We should probably start over, because I was starting to teach right there. That was, that was the sermon. All right. So speaking of insults, we want to look. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. So we want to look at the insults of Jesus, because you actually learn a lot about what he was like by the names he was called by his enemies. Because they, they, they validate in really indirect ways some of the most beautiful things about him. So we're going to look at a couple of, uh, just this morning, we're actually just going to look at one name. And it, it's, it's fascinating. So if, um, if you have a Bible, you can follow along. If not, everything's up on the screen. I'm going to put a couple of these just straight up on the screen for the sake of time. Bruce, go ahead and fire up Genesis 12. All right, in the beginning of the biblical story, and, and I'm assuming, for some of you, like, this, this whole thing is new. 
The Bible opens with this beautiful picture of God creating the world and everything in it and declaring it to be good. And that lasts for two chapters. <laughs> the next chapter, everything gets screwed up. Darkness, sin, death enter the world. And for the next, from chapter 3 in Genesis to chapter 11, it just spirals downward. And you're wondering the whole time, okay, so what's God going to do? What's God going to do? And in the most underwhelming manner possible, God's reaction to the entrance of sin and death and evil is to call a man named Abraham. He was known previously as Abram. And to just make this sort of huge promise that through Abraham, he was going to do something big. So this is the promise from Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And then here's the big promise. And this just comes out of nowhere. I will make you into a great nation. Now Abraham and his wife Sarah were both old and they were infertile. So even if they could have babies, they were too old to, but they couldn't have them. So the, the supernatural part of this was, hey, I'm going to take an old infertile couple and we're going to make you into a great nation with many descendants. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. Next slide. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And then this is the key sentence. And all peoples on earth will be blessed what? Through you. So God's move in response to evil and whatever darkness in the world is to call this guy, have him leave what's familiar, and the promise is I will make you into a nation, and through that nation I will bless the world. And so the idea is that God chooses this man and forms him into a nation that was called Israel, and that as the Old Testament progresses, through Israel was going to come a rescuer for the rest of the world. And it gets more, the longer you go on in the Old Testament, the more specific the information about the rescuer gets. It's not just, he's not just going to be Jewish. The rescuer is going to be uh, from the tribe of Jacob. Not just from the tribe of Jacob, we later find out that the rescuer is going to come from the, the line of David. But it was bloodline that was the key point. It was generation that was the key point. It was to the Jewish mind, when a good Jewish boy married a good Jewish girl and they had offspring, one of the prayers they would pray is that she would give birth to Messiah. Because God had promised through the Jewish people would come a Messiah. So the Jewish people felt like any time Jewish women were giving birth, it could happen. So bloodlines and identity were huge. And you're thinking, this is really fascinating. I can see you yawning. And I think many, many want to join you. Shamu. Unmarried people. As Paul says, it is best that you stay as you are. That's what Paul says. Now, Bloodlines were so significant, they were, they were harsh penalties if Jewish people married un-Jewish people. And so I want to put one of those penalties up. Go ahead and put up Deuteronomy. So this is Deuteronomy 23. No one born of a forbidden marriage 
nor any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even to the 10th generation, 400 years. This was such a big deal because if Josephine, the Jewish woman, married Harry the Hittite, let's just say, that whole bloodline was now polluted and you knew for sure the Messiah was not coming from the birth of that union, correct? So the penalty in the Old Testament for any child born under questionable circumstances was banning them from the assembly of God's people for 400 years. Now, such a person was called a mamzer. Can you say mamzer? M-A-M-Z-E-R, mamzer. A mamzer, it's like our word bastard, but worse. Because the marriage, go ahead and keep that up, Bruce. The marriage, no one born of a forbidden marriage. Now, a forbidden marriage meant any questionable circumstances. We don't know who the dad was. We don't know who the mom was. Well, I guess you would know who the mom was. We don't know who the dad was. Um, um, we're not sure it was t- two pure Jewish people that were part of this union. I mean, Mamzer, Mamzer was a huge deal. If there was any question about the conception of the child, this was outlawed. Why? Because they wanted to keep the Jewish bloodlines pure. Why? Because the Messiah was going to come through Jewish bloodlines. From Abraham... Jacob, David, so on. Now, Mamzer, the penalty was so harsh to be called a Mamzer that the rabbis of Jesus' day tried to restrict its application to as few people as possible. So they said someone, someone could be called a Mamzer only if there were two eyewitnesses at the time of conception, the parents not included. So that's how, like, that's how severe the, the term was. And what I want to show you is that this tag ended up being applied to Jesus. So go if you would. Uh, if you have one of these, go uh, to the book of Matthew. Let's do a little Christmas in June. Matthew chapter 1, or it will be up on the screen. So suppose you're one of the Jewish people of, of Jesus' day, and, and you hear this story. Okay, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Mary, she's 12, 13 tops. Joseph, 16, 17. Pledged was like our engagement, but more serious. Pledged meant for a year... While the groom-to-be was preparing a place in his father's house, these two were off-limits to everybody else. If one of them died, the other was a widow or widower. If one of them cheated on the other, it was considered adultery. I mean, like, they were married in every way, shape, and form, except intimately. They were not allowed to ever be alone together. So, why? Because then it would be a birth of questionable circumstances. So here's the story we get about Jesus the Rescuer. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together intimately, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, all the Christians in the room go, well, yeah. All the other than Christians in the room go, yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Right? Is that considered a questionable circumstance? 
I mean, here's the story. Don't get that? Not that anyone moved. Not one person moved to help, but no, no need. Don't want you to get splashed. <laughs> because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Why? She's 13. They're pledged to be married. She's pregnant, and she's saying God's responsible. Would you, would you believe that? No, of course not. So... There were two ways he could divorce her in a little town of about 200 people. You could do it very publicly and shame her out of the village, or you could do it very quietly, where she's still shamed, but publicly she can still participate in community life. Never, ultimately, to be married again, because after the shame of this, no good Jewish man would marry her. An angel appeared to Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is actually from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, if you're a good Jewish person that knows your Old Testament, and this is the story you get about the rescuer you've been waiting for for generations, what's the one word that comes to mind? Amzer. Right? A mamzer is somebody born of questionable circumstances. How questionable are those circumstances? Incredibly questionable. In fact, this tag stuck with Mary for 200 years. We have a record of uh, early Jewish opponents to the Christian movement saying that Mary had an affair with a Roman soldier and that Jesus was the product of that affair. So it was scandalous that Mary was pregnant and they were engaged. And Joseph, against all reason, is sticking with her. It's absolutely nuts. Now, flip over to the book of Mark. I want to show you that this tag gets stuck on Jesus. He's never called it directly, but it's implied everywhere. So follow the screen. Go to Mark. Put Mark up if you would. Now this, Jesus, oh my goodness, so, <laughs> in one episode, Jesus is teaching in a house, and his, his family comes into the house to take him home, and, and the text says, because they literally thought he was out of his mind. Okay, they thought he was insane. One of the ways that people responded to Jesus, so his family thought he was crazy, the religious leaders insulted him all over the place, but one of the ways that you would taunt Jesus is that you would call him the son of his mother. In that culture, you were always known as the son of your father, even if your father was dead. So, notice this. Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Now, and they took offense at him, it says. Now, that, in English, guys, it sounds like, oh, what's the problem with that? In the first century, your father's bloodline determined your identity. You didn't have a social security number. You didn't have fingerprints. It was, you were the son or daughter of your father. End of story. End of story. 
It wasn't right the way that they did it, but that was the way they did it. So you were always known, Jesus' name would have been Yeshua, and then, and then the word uh, is Bar, or Ben. Yeshua ben Yosef. Jesus, son of Joseph. That's his name. The problem is, when they taunt him and they take offense to him, what do they call him? Son of Mary, what's the implication? We're not sure who your father is. Go ahead and put John up, if you would, Bruce. So, Jesus is in this big debate with some of the religious leaders in another episode. And, and this is a bit complicated, but in Jewish law, you had to have two witnesses validate your identity. So Jesus is walking around claiming to be the Messiah. And everyone says, well, who are your two witnesses? And Jesus goes, me <laughs> and my father. Now, when he says my father, he's meaning God. But notice some of the taunting that happens in response to his claim that it's my father. Jesus says, in your own law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies for myself, Jesus says. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Now, notice what they ask him. What do they ask him? Where is your Father? They don't mean God. They mean, where's your real Father? We don't know. Next slide. You do not know me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And Jesus here is speaking of God. Next. Later on in the same chapter, the Jewish leaders say, well, Abraham is our father. We're descendants of his. Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. Next. You were doing the works of your own father. And notice the, notice the protest. What's it say? We are not what, they say. Back to Jesus. We are not illegitimate children. So they never called him this outright. Hey, my father validates me. Where's your father? Hey, if you knew me, you would know my father. Pfft, we're not illegitimate children. I mean, do you see? Or... One last one. Uh, in the book of Luke, part of the Christmas story. This is part of the Christmas story that always bugged me. Luke chapter 2. So there's this big, I mean, I, and I always have to read this in the voice of Linus. <laughs> right? So in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree, right? So... Joseph and Mary went from Nazareth to their hometown, Bethlehem. Joseph has relatives there. Notice chapter 2 of Luke, verse 5. Joseph went there to register for the census with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting child. Now, again, that sentence to us is like, oh, yeah, part of the Christmas story. No, no, you read that in the first century, that's scandal, okay? Everyone knew about this. When the time, excuse me, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no what? What's it say? There was no guest room available for them. Now, listen to me. 
If you've ever been to the Middle East, hospitality is the number one preeminent cultural value. Joseph has relatives in this city. Mary is 13 and expecting, ready to deliver very soon. And not one person who's related to Joseph opens up their home to Mary. We've always heard it like, oh, it was this mean old innkeeper. No, the, the word is translated guest room is the right word. And no one welcomes Mary in, and she gives birth elsewhere. Why? Well, the text doesn't say, but I'll give you the reason. Her birth was scandalous. Now, listen to me. If you're wondering, hey, Mike, this is great. Learned a new word. Can we go out to eat now? If you're sitting here like, why does this matter? Here's why. Of all the ways that God, the Christian story is of all the ways that God could come to the earth, God comes as a bastard. God comes as a mamzer. God comes as a disgrace and a scandal. As we've seen the last several weeks, who are the people most drawn to Jesus? Was it the religious folks? Not even remotely. Who were the folks that were drawn to Jesus? Outcasts, misfits, the big-time notorious sinners, right? All the people excluded by the religious establishment were welcomed by Jesus. So could it be that God came to the world as a mamzer so that all those who were mamzers would come flock into him? All those who felt like they were excluded and they were illegitimate, deemed so by the religious establishment, could it be that in, in God's beauty, Jesus comes as some sort of scandalous presence so that all of those who have scandals hanging over us would find their home in his movement. This was so offensive. Like, so several years ago, living in Irvine, we called it Irvana. And <laughs> Irvana, anyone from Irvana today? <sighs> Look at you, leaving crossing that, like that 55, five, it's a whole new world up here, man. Welcome, welcome. People are nice here and there isn't plastic surgery on everybody, it's really nice. We have Walmart, we don't have Fashion Island. We have, we're Walmart people. I don't know. So we live in an Irvana and I go to the pool one day and with my rash guard on, I'm sure I looked so, so, I, so, there's, an, so there's, an, there's an orthodox Jewish man. There is his wife dressed head to toe um, in a bathing suit. And then there's this little boy who keeps calling his dad, Abba, 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 Abba. And, and they're speaking Hebrew to each other. And I'm like, oh, I got to get to know these people. So I just walk over and I just start, you know, totally rudely asking questions and getting to know them. And after a couple of hours, because he's asking, are you, he's like, are you a Christian? And I'm like, ah, I'm just interested in this stuff. I didn't want to shut the thing down. And so, so we have all these incredible conversations. And I finally say, so, so why is it that you personally don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah? And here's his answer. And he said it almost with anger. He said, the Messiah was supposed to go to the great in Israel. And Jesus went to the weakest and to the lamest and to the most outcast people of Israel. 
And I said, that's my Jesus right there. I didn't say that. I thought, I thought it. I thought it in my head. As it was, I went, oh, that's a great point. But in my head, I'm like, that's why I follow this guy. Right? Because of all the ways God can show up in the world. He didn't come as a megachurch superstar. He didn't come in the political arena. He didn't come as the head of a synagogue or a temple. He came as an outcast and a misfit. And so all of you who are outcasts and misfits, it's for you. It's for you. How do you know? He was called Mamzer, the most, the, 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 one of the most strenuous and ridiculous insults given to him was given to him all over the place. And that turns out to be good news for us. Why? Because we are of the opinion that Jesus is beautiful. Far better than the church has led us to believe. And that one of the ways he's beautiful is that he welcomed everybody who had unclean slates. Everybody who was screwed up and everybody who the religious establishment had deemed out of bounds. Now, he welcomed the religious people too, right? I'm one of those. He, he would have had dinner with me, but I would have had the hardest time recognizing his beauty. Why? Because I, was, I would have been convinced I didn't need it. I'm doing fine enough on my own. Self-righteousness is the thing that keeps people away from Jesus more than any other thing. For those of us that know we're broken, those of us that know we're screwed up, those of us that know we're, we're messy, he comes as a mamzer so that all those who feel like mamzers find their place with him. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to sing a little bit. And then we're going to have a story uh, and, and celebrate the Eucharist together. And then we're going to sing a little more. All singing rules apply. No one, when you're at a ball game, freaks out when everybody stands up and goes, yeah, for their team. So some, some of the people next to you are going to do this because they're fans of Jesus. Don't judge them. They're nice people. Some of you are going to sit. Oh, you've moved from here to here. <laughs> I like that. Here says, here says, that was maybe the most profound thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I agree. I agree. All right, so I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a couple songs. Uh, and then we're going to, um, uh, my friend Lindsay's going to share a story. And we're going to celebrate the Eucharist together. So close your eyes, because God does his best work in the dark. That's, that is in the Bible somewhere. I'm kidding. I don't, it doesn't say that at all. It's just a churchy thing. Everyone close your eyes. You know what I'm saying? It's just what they do. So God, thank you that you're beautiful. Thank you that when you came, and when you come to us, you come in a way that's so easily dismissible. Because we think you'd come in all this awesomeness and glory, and you come in such surprising humility and such surprising scandal that all of those who had scandals over their own heads found their place with you. And so my, my prayer is just that you would get bigger in our estimation. Like we would see you more clearly and see how beautiful you are and see that the good news is really good news as it turns out. And God, um, so we offer these songs to you and we're grateful to do them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Those couple of those songs are hundreds of years old.
So Osingi wasn't a typo. That was, that was real. And then how do you get the keyboard? Like that, that's you? I was wondering what you were doing because you were just not, not really playing the guitar much. And so I didn't realize you just hit play on your phone and boom. All right, Lindsay, say hello to Lindsay, everybody. So Lindsay and I go to the same hair uh, stylist, which is very exciting. So um, a, a huge thing we have a value for uh, are hearing the stories of the people God is collecting. If you would ever want to share your story, we'd love to, to hear it. And some of those stories are stories that have pretty wrappings, and some of those stories are stories that don't have pretty wrappings. And I'll let uh, Lindsay share, you, uh, share with you hers. Thank you. Um, my name's Lindsay, and... Hold on. Get that up there. Like this? Yes. Right. Yep. Just touch your chin with it. Our, the splash zone, though. You don't have to touch my chin with it. Just, you're... Oh, should we stand far apart like these guys? Thank you. We're good now. Okay. okay. Um, my name's Lindsay. Uh, I grew up in a traditional Christian home. Um, but I was criticized a lot as a kid and just put down a lot, um, which basically fed this need for acceptance and validation. And so um, it Who were you criticized by? Um, a lot of my family, actually. I had three other siblings that weren't very nice, but oh. just uh, through divorce parents and that's daddy issues. That's a whole nother talk, but... Yeah. Um, so anyway, I started out uh, seeking that acceptance just by being the good student and the good Christian. And then over the years, uh, my roles expanded. Um, and so it was being you know, great at my job and being the perfect wife and then being the perfect mom, which became even harder because then my kids were a reflection of me um, and so it was putting even expectations on them. So basically, I just became this validation monster. Mm. And uh, I, you know, what once started out as flirting, you know, to get that affirmation and validation um, turned into an almost affair. Um, I lost friends because they said it was really hard for them to compete with my unrealistic standards. Um, just so concerned about my outward appearance um, that it was even uncomfortable for me to leave the house without makeup on and just spent a ton of time in the gym um, and just cared how I dress all the time. So um, I got to a place where I just became completely uh, depleted and burned out um, physically, emotionally, and spiritually mm -hmm. from trying so hard. And... Um, to the point where I was sick for months at a time because the anxiety and the unmet standards that I put on myself. Um, I experienced depression for the first time. I sought counseling um, until I realized that God isn't looking for perfect people. And what he is looking for are imperfect people that are in process. and. Um, those are the people he can use. So I felt like I needed to come out of hiding behind all these insecurities. Um, so I started, a big moment for me was just blogging. So I started a blog and I 
tried to just take the power that those insecurities held over me um, by putting them out in the open. And so I talked about, you know, being the hot mess mom and just, um, you know, just shared my struggles and my insecurities. And it just freed me to be able to uh, begin to have these authentic relationships and conversations with people that I wouldn't have been able to if I was trying so hard to be perfect. Mm. Um, and then uh, I came to realize over time um, that my identity stems from what Christ thinks of me, about me. And so it was kind of him rewiring me while I uh, blogged about this stuff and shared about my insecurities um, that he showed me it's okay to be imperfect, it's okay to be a hot mess. Um, it's okay to go and want to drink wine in your closet at 2 p.m. because the kids are driving you nuts. Um, just show me that it's okay that we all are in process. And all the parents said, "Amen." A amen. amen. You can join me anytime. Um, no. But yeah, just and that God can use those things, those imperfections, right. those weaknesses. He can use them for good. So. It's been great seeing him show me how to use those things to uh, bless people rather than so concerned about impressing people. Oh, Lindsay. So it's such a big deal for her to stand up here and share these things. Um, because how, how long ago would it have been that there's no way? No way. So um, the reason we want to tell stories so often here is to remind ourselves that the table, this bread and this cup, it's for all of us. I mean, we had a, we had a, a young lady email us and say, you know, my husband um, really doesn't believe uh, in God. He's not a really like church kind of person, but um, he felt welcome and we took, and she's, she's very much a Jesus follower. And she said, you know, for the first time in our marriage, we actually went to the table together, and we think that's a, a fine thing. Jesus would have eaten with that couple, and he eats with those of us who are insecure. I wish my insecurities drove me to the gym. Um, <laughs> it, the, kind of the opposite effect. But, um, and, and so we, we make a big deal about the bread and the cup here, um, because what, what we're going to do now is Lindsay's going to read a, a passage over us. Not yet. Not yet in a moment, and, uh, and then we're just going to open up the rest of our, our service, and, and here are the different things that you can do. Um, we're going to have people who are standing up near the, these places of, of bread and, and juice, and they're there just to pray, and one of the huge values we have is we want to be a place of blessing and prayer, and so if you, if there's something heavy you're carrying in here, we would be honored to pray for you. Secondly, um, there are boxes around called participation boxes. And if, if you want to financially support what's going on here, that's how you would do that. For some people, that is an act of worship, the releasing of our hold on our finances. And that's a big deal. Um, we also uh, are going to spend some more time singing. And so <laughs> that's good news or bad news, however you see that. And then the last thing is we're going to open up these, these places for communion or the Eucharist. And there are a couple back here couple over here, and 
brothers and sisters, the reason we do this, this is the center of the whole thing. This is it. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more important than the church could ever say than this. That Jesus of Nazareth is real. He died. He was crucified. He's risen again. And he's done that to pave the way for all the mamsers in the world to make their way home. And you don't have to have it together. You don't, for some of, I, I just know in hearing Lindsay's story, some of you live under the tyranny of always having to look a certain way. And you have to polish the exterior. And it's exhausting. See, at the table, there isn't rich and poor. There isn't beautiful and ugly. There isn't anything other than broken people who come to this thing and who say, for, with whatever little bit of faith or none at all that you have, you say, there, there's something about this Jesus that I say yes to. And so this bread and this cup, it's for you. For each and every one of you, you're welcome to take the bread and to dip it into the cup and then to eat. And, um, and to lead us in this, Lindsay, I just want you to read that passage over us from 1 Corinthians where a guy named Paul talks about what this represents and means. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's it. That's it. This is the most important thing. The election is not important. The economy is not important. The bad news that surrounds our news feeds is not important. This is the whole thing. Everything about Jesus following rests on this. And so you're more than welcome to sit, to stand, to walk, to take, to not take. No one's keeping track. But... To kind of begin, I'd love to pray over you. And let's do it with eyes open. Let's defy church culture. Let's, let's have our eyes open. So I'm watching you. I pray for you. So, Lord, we believe you're here. And none of our stories surprise you. You're not, you're not up there going, oh, I had no idea you were like that. You know everything about us. And you still insist that you love us and that you welcome us. And, and my prayer particularly is for those of us who've been cast aside by the religious folks who uh, have been for whatever reason labeled and marginalized. And I just so believe, Lord Jesus, that uh, on the basis of the example you give us in the scriptures that those are the people you'd be after. And so my prayer is that those people would find safety here and find healing here and find how beautiful you are here. I pray for those of us who are like Lindsay, who follow in Jesus or even Christianity has become just another way to try to find life from the world, another way to manage appearances and polish. And Father, some of us are just so tired from that. And so we just put down our appearances and we're okay to be a hot mess, which I don't even know what that is, but it sounds like it'd be yummy for dinner. God, please heal my ADD. Just heal it. 
right now. And the whole church said, amen. Please heal it. Please heal this dumb guy. The keyboard's going. All right. Oh, I'm still praying. Lord, so we pray. I'm so, I'm so sorry. So we pray in the name of your beautiful, beautiful son that you would move and that we would be aware of how great and majestic you actually are. Amen? 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 Okay, thank you, Lindsay. Well, brothers and sisters, thank you for coming today. As you go, a couple of things. One, uh, if you have feedback for us, because we're still brand new, we'd love your thoughts. Um, uh, you can email feedback at voxoc.com. You can go to the website, fill out information. We also have information cards out here. Those and any giving go into the participation boxes. Uh, we have a new to Vox dinner on the 15th of June, if you want to join us. Um, Lindsay, yeah. what are we having for dinner that night? I did ask for barbecue. That's right. So if you don't like barbecue, you're not safe to belong. It's that, it's that, it's that simple. But we're going to have barbecue, uh, and I'm sure there'll be some vegan barbecue. We'll have uh, killed some organic turkeys uh, for you. Just kidding. Oh, my goodness. Ah, focus. Um, let me pray uh, as we go. Would you all stand? And I just want to uh, do the blessing over you. Feel free to grab some coffee, hang out for a little bit. You're, you're actually starting a church with these people. So you might as well say hi and be friendly. Uh, but this is the blessing that comes from Numbers chapter 6, that the high priest of Israel was given to convey to God's people. And it's just one that we say over our children, we say at the end of our podcast, and you know I just can't help but do it here too. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you, and in these days, give you peace. Amen and amen. Be glad to see you over here. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com participate.